Well, it's hard, to, it's hard to believe, but I've had the privilege of serving as the youth pastor here at Grace Community. It's almost nine years that I've been able to uh, be here as the youth pastor. And I just look at that and I cannot believe that it's been almost nine years that, I, that I've been able to be here. And just be honest with you, um, I love it. I love my, my, my job. I love my position. I love what I get to do. And it's kind of funny because I'll have people uh, sometimes will come up to me and every once in a while I get the chance to, you know, to speak on a Sunday morning here at, at Grace. And sometimes uh, people will come up to me afterwards. And I'm like, man, you, you know, then you would make a great pastor someday, you know? And, and I'm like, well, well, thanks. I really appreciate that. You know, forget the fact that that's kind of what I do with teenagers, but, but it's just kind of funny, you know? And sometimes people will be like, so tell me exactly what you do during the week. You know, what's your other job? You know, and I'm like, no, this is my job. I get to do what I get to do. And I love it. You know, I cannot see myself doing anything else. And uh, my heart, what really grips my heart is whenever I see a group of teenagers get all fired up for God. Nothing grips my heart more than that. Nothing grips my heart more than seeing teenagers get all fired up for God. That is a thing, man, just one of the things that just peels my banana, man. I just love it, you know? I just love when that happens. And so I get all fired up with that. But honestly, over the last nine years or so, my, my concern for teenagers has grown. There are so many things that are, that are pulling them in so many different directions. There are so many voices that are vying for their attention. So many things, so many influences that are trying to, to gain access into their life. And the church, not just this church, but the church in America, the church is kind of puzzled because what we've seen happening, we've seen this trend that kids will be really involved with, with church or with youth ministry. They'll be really involved uh, th- you know, throughout middle school, throughout high school. But as soon as they graduate, we, we see kids begin dropping out. And we see kids uh, become disengaged, not just with church, but we see kids get disengaged with God. And I was trying to think of how I could uh, show you how, um, you know, how many kids that's actually affecting. And what I, the way that I thought of, the uh, way that I came across was this. Think about, think about all of the kids that come to Grace Community Church. And we're talking about kids that are involved in Kid City right now, kids that are involved in middle school access, kids that are involved in high school access. Uh, think of all the kids that are a part of Grace Community Church. And if we got all of those kids together and we took a group photo, took a picture of all of those kids that come, and we got that picture developed. And then after that picture was developed, I got a big fat black marker and I crossed out three quarters of the faces that were on that picture. That's how many kids are going to be disengaged from God by the time they graduate from high school. And I guess in, in my experience, and I'm just talking here at Grace Community Church, what I have seen is that that trend actually starts to happen before kids graduate. That we'll have kids involved. We'll have them involved in middle school. We'll have them involved in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. And then typically like around 11th grade, something begins to happen. We see kids uh, begin to pull away 
from the youth ministry. Kids that were incredibly involved, kids that went on mission trips, kids that shared their faith, kids that would not miss a, a, a Wednesday night, kids that would not miss a Sunday morning. What happens is they, around 11th grade or so, a trend that I've seen is they begin to pull away. And what I've seen happen is kids get jobs. They become more involved with school activities. They become more involved with sports. Uh, oftentimes, a dating relationship takes over. And I've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again. I've seen it happen. And some people will, will point the finger at the youth ministry. And as the leader of our, of our youth minister here, I, I just want you to know this. I am the first one to ask those hard questions about our youth ministry. I am the first one to ask, okay, what are we doing? The first one to ask, what are we not doing? And the first one to ask, what can we be doing better? Why are we not doing some things? Why are kids leaving? I am the first one to ask those questions. And... I know that as a youth ministry, we have, we have a lot of work to do. But I think the reason why this happens in the lives of kids is that for whatever reason, kids just become apathetic about their faith. They become apathetic about God. And when I say that word apathetic, I was trying to think of the best way to describe to you what the word apathetic means. And so how I could describe the word apathetic to you is this way. Imagine yourself sitting there right now and you're thinking to yourself, okay, what exactly does the word apathetic mean? And so maybe you lean over to the person next to you and you're like, hey, Rich just said the word apathetic. What, what exactly does the word apathetic mean? And the person next to you goes, dude, I don't care. I just don't care what the word apathetic means. That's apathy right there. Um, that is what it means to be apathetic. You just don't care about something. And the trend that I've seen happening with, with teenagers is that they get to a point where they just stop caring about being engaged with God. They just stop caring about their relationship with God. And I'll be honest with you, I'm at a point now where I'm, I'm just tired of fighting it. I'm tired of fighting apathy because it's a whole lot easier not to fight it. And it's a whole lot easier to just go with that trend and to accept that trend that is obviously happening in our churches today, to accept the fact that kids are just going to leave. They're just going to become apathetic. It's a whole lot easier to do that. Um, so I'm just tired of fighting. So what I've decided to do this morning, normally what I would do on a Sunday morning is I would talk to you about, okay, how can we keep our kids from being apathetic? We got to fight this. We got to stop this. We got to make sure it doesn't happen. But again, I'm just throwing my hands up in the air and saying, I'm done. I am done. So what we're going to do this morning is I want us to make sure this trend continues to happen. And so I want to talk to you this morning about how you, as a parent, can make sure that your kid becomes apathetic about their faith. How can you teach your kid to become apathetic about God? How can you make sure 
that your kid will realize that a relationship with God, it, it's just not really that important. So what can we do? This is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to teach you how to make sure your kids are apathetic. I am so excited, to be honest with you, uh, to talk about this because I am just sick of fighting it. So let's just go with it, you know? And so you may even want to take some notes because apathy is what we are after today. So the first thing that you could do, the first thing you'll do if you want to teach your kids to become apathetic about God is realize that if you're a parent, it's your job to make your kids happy. If you are a parent, it is your job to make your kids happy. I tell my wife this all the time. We have three kids. We have a son, Ezra, who's three and a half years old, a daughter, Mercy, who's almost two. And we just had a baby born last Saturday, so she's eight days old now and everything. Yeah, thanks. She is adorable. And so sometimes, thank you very much, sometimes our kids will, will start to get upset and sometimes they'll throw tantrums and sometimes they'll start crying over some, some stuff. And I tell my wife this all the time. I'm like, Carol, if you just give them what they want, they stop crying. It's, it's amazing how, how I found out that this works, that sometimes, you know, my son maybe will just throw this huge tantrum because he wants something. And what I've learned is that if I just give him what he wants, he stops. You know, and so it's just amazing how that happens. And so go out of your way to give your kids what they want. You don't want them to be spoiled, but you just want them to be happy. That's what we want. We want our kids to be happy. Now, there are some parents who would hear that and they would kind of disagree with me. And these are the parents that are typically out of touch with reality. Um, they They would disagree with me. Some parents think, some parents naively think, that their job is not to make their kids happy, but their job as a parent is to love them and to treasure them and to enjoy them and to pour into their children. But they also set up healthy boundaries for their kids. Loving boundaries that let their kids know this. They let their kids know, I am absolutely, totally in love with you more than you could ever, ever know but I'm sorry you will not have your own way all of the time. Some parents kind of follow that philosophy. Some parents, some parents who are, again, the weird parents out there, uh, they would rather teach their kids how to be holy instead of teaching their kids to be happy, to teach them to be content and to depend on a God who will supply all of their needs. And typically what these out-of-touch parents do is they kind of go to the Bible every once in a while and they start quoting Bible verses and applying the Bible to their life and stuff like that. It's just ridiculous. And so if you, if you need a Bible, let's just find out how crazy they are. If you need a Bible, you can put up your hand. Somebody will be around. They'll give you a Bible. And you can actually find out how crazy and out-of-touch these parents are by looking at some of the verses that they would follow in the Bible. So if you need one, go ahead and put up your hand. But one of the verses that these uh, parents would quote to you is first. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. And it's a really short verse. And what these uh, parents who really aren't in touch with reality, they, what, they, what they kind of believe is that even the short verses in the Bible have so much power that they can kind of teach them how to live life and teach them how to raise families and stuff like that. But this is what this verse says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment 
is great gain. And so they would look at that verse and they would say, well, maybe my first priority should be to teach my kid how to be godly, to teach them how to be godly, to teach them that happiness doesn't come from what we have or happiness doesn't come from what we do, but happiness comes from who we know. Happiness can actually come from knowing God. And these parents would also believe that it's their job to assume the primary responsibility of driving selfishness out of their kids and instilling in them a sense of otherness. To teach their kids that, hey, you know what? The world, believe it or not, it doesn't revolve around you. That there are needs out there and we have a responsibility to meet those needs. They teach otherness. But again, we don't want to do that. Our goal this morning is apathy. We want to teach apathy. So, and how you can do that is to help your kids to realize that they really are entitled. That you teach them this sense of entitlement. That what I get for me is the most important thing in the world. What I get for me is the most important thing in the world. So, how you can do that is you can spend lots of money on them in an effort to teach your kid that money can buy all sorts of useful things, things like love and things like happiness. And you can teach them that money is like the all-powerful thing and you can just help them to realize that your primary goal in life is just to be happy. Because whenever they're happy, you're happy. And that's really what it's all about in the end. We just want to be happy. So that's the first thing you want to do. Second thing that you'll do as a parent to teach your kids how to be apathetic about God is this. Encourage your child to put everything else aside for academics. Encourage your child to put everything else aside for academics. Because after all, when your child is 24 and they're not interested in, in living for God anymore you will have the security of knowing that they got an A in advanced history class. And so there's a lot of security that comes from that. So you want to encourage your kids that everything else has to take a back seat to academics. And so something else that you could do is you could constantly be on their case about homework, constantly be on their case about their grades, but don't worry about the condition of their heart. Be more concerned with their grades and with their homework than you are with the condition of your heart. Now again, there are like out-of-touch parents out there, parents that just don't get it. And what these parents would say, they would, they would kind of believe this. They would value school. They would value studying. They would value doing your best. But they also feel that it's probably more important to teach your kids how to balance things like church and school. And some parents will actually spend more time monitoring the condition of their child's heart than their child's grades. Because these parents, again, they kind of use the Bible and, and they look at the Bible and, and they, they see how often Jesus talked about the heart and, and the condition of our heart. And then they read the book of Proverbs and they read things in the book of Proverbs about our heart. And they would read things like this in Proverbs 22, verse 15, a verse that says this, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And kind of our job as the parent is to drive that folly out because our kids will naturally drift towards foolishness. Our kids will naturally drift towards sin. And kind of what these parents would say is it's kind of our job to help them to drift the other way. 
you know, because the condition of their heart is what's really important. What's going on on the inside of them is so much more important than what's going on on the outside of them. And so they would look at verses like Proverbs chapter 23, verse 15, and it says this. It says, my son, if your heart is wise, then I will be glad. If your heart is wise, then I will be glad. And so they, they concern themselves with the inward stuff that's going on with their children. They engage their children. They pursue their children. They take, in, uh, they take a genuine interest in their life, even, so, even though sometimes their kid may get a little upset about that. Their kids may sometimes be like, you're always asking me what I'm doing. You're always asking me how I'm feeling. Why don't you get off my case? But these parents pursue their kids. And they actually try to build wisdom in their kids by modeling to them what it means to follow Jesus and talking to them about what God is doing in their life. But that's not what we want to do today. That's not what we are doing. We want to teach our kids that self-worth can be found in grades, not God. Self-worth can be found in grades, not God. So if school gets in the way of the youth ministry, that's the way it is. I am sorry, youth ministry, because 10 years from now, when your son or daughter isn't pursuing God, they will think back on their life and they will say, I am so happy that I stayed home to write that paper instead of going to church. I am so happy about that. And forget the fact that maybe with a little bit of balance in their life, that they probably could have had that paper written two days ago. You don't want to think about stuff like that, you know, because that, again, you know, produces good things. And we want to teach apathy to our kids. And so that's the other thing that you can do. Third thing, third thing that you could do is this. Teach your kids to be apathetic about their faith by becoming a child-centered parent rather than a God-centered parent. Become a child-centered parent rather than a God-centered parent. I was trying to think of some ways to talk to you about how we could become child-centered parents. And here are a couple things that you could do. Um, You could drive 400 miles so your child can be involved in cheerleading. Drive 400 miles so that they can be involved in that, but don't be willing to drive five miles on a Wednesday night to take them to church because they're too tired or because there was too much stuff going on in their life already, or because they just, maybe they feel a little uncomfortable about going into the youth ministry, or maybe it gets out too late. Um, Another thing that you could do is you could sign them up for all of the premier leagues, for all of the elite leagues, and have them play all spring and all summer and all fall and all winter and send them to camps and pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars to do it. But don't pay for them to go on a mission trip with the church. Don't pay for them to go to a conference like the Momentum Conference that we take kids to every, every summer. Don't pay for them because, because, well, first of all, those things are too expensive. We don't want to pay for the conference or, or, or the retreat or anything like that. And then second of all, sorry, they can't go to those things because they have practice or because they have a game or because I've already scheduled you for this camp so you can become a star and so you can be on the team and so you can get playing time and all that kind of stuff like that. Now, some parents, and again, I don't mean to badmouth these parents, but really they're just kind of crazy. They're just out of their mind. Uh, some parents believe that you actually make time for what you feel is important. Some parents would say that everything that you say yes to means that you have to say no to something else. 
And so what these parents would try to do is they would try to teach their kids to say yes to the most important things. And some parents believe that things like church and things like, you know, the youth ministry or things like mission trips or things like the Momentum Conference or whatever it is, some parents believe that's actually important stuff. Because when kids go to those things, they actually get to engage the God of the universe. And these parents will go out of their way to allow their kids to engage God. And something else that happens when kids go to things like that is is they get to hear from God. They get to learn how to serve other people. They kind of learn that the world is not all about them and that there are other people that are out there that are a whole lot less fortunate than we are. And we kind of have a responsibility to, to help those people. Not only that, but the kids go to those things and they learn how to share their faith. They learn how to, how to talk to other people about Jesus. They learn to, to tell people that, hey, Jesus loves you. And man, you can have a relationship with the God of the universe. They learn things like that when they, when they go on mission trips or when they go on the retreats or when they go to the youth ministry, when they go to the conferences and stuff like that. They engage the heart of God And then they do the things that God asks us to do. And then those same parents also have this crazy idea that relationships are huge for kids. And and these parents would think, okay, if relationships are huge with kids, they're probably going to build a relationship with the people that they're hanging out with the most. And so if I send them to the youth ministry or if I send them on the retreat or if I send them to the conference, they're going to be surrounded with people who are followers of Jesus Christ. They're going to be surrounded with people who have common interests and a common faith. Wow, that could probably help build their faith. That could probably help them grow in a relationship with God. But that's not what we want. We want kids to be apathetic. We're not interested in building their faith. So if they feel uncomfortable going to the youth ministry, don't go. Let them stay home. Don't stretch them. Don't try to get them to do anything that's uncomfortable and help them realize you're not really missing out on anything. You're not missing anything if you don't go. And, you know, there may be kids. Yeah, it's true. There may be kids there that you can serve. There may be kids there that you can invest in. There may be other people there that actually want to invest in you as well. But don't worry about that stuff. Don't raise expectations or challenge your kids to serve. Don't call greatness out of them. Don't make them do anything that they would feel uncomfortable doing. Let them always feel comfortable because that nurtures apathy in our lives. Fourth thing. Fourth thing that you can do to teach your kids how to be apathetic about a relationship with God is by teaching them that work is more important than church. Teach them that work is more important than church. Your kid needs a job. Your kid needs to have a job because it teaches them responsibility. The responsibility of spending their money on whatever they want to spend it on right now. That's the kind of responsibility that we are looking for. So sorry, I can't make that church event because I have a job. Rich, it's called being responsible. It's responsible. I'm 17. You probably, Rich, you probably don't know what responsible. I don't even know what you do during the week. You know, are you responsible at all? So I have a job. So I'm sorry, I can't do that. Now, some parents, some parents feel 
that their teenager can hold down a job and be responsible by asking off a week or two in advance so that they can be sure that they get to go to that youth meeting or that scheduled youth event or that retreat or that conference. Um, Some parents also feel that their kid probably isn't going to work at McDonald's the rest of their life and that their teenager can go up to Mr. or Mrs. McDonald manager and say, hey, you know what? I, my youth ministry is really important to me and I will not work on a Wednesday night. And if, if Mr. and Mrs. McDonald's manager doesn't like that, then your teenager learns to think outside the bun. You know, they go to Taco Bell and they apply for a job at Taco Bell. You know, they do something, but, but they realize that this is only a temporary job. I'm most likely, I'm not going to be doing this for the rest of my life. And so I'm going to set some boundaries with my manager or they're going to schedule me to death, you know? Some parents kind of feel that. And some parents think that you can learn responsibility by being responsible enough to ask off in plenty of time and they will encourage their kids to do so. Because... These same parents, these out-of-touch parents, kind of listen to what Jesus says. And Jesus was a little out-of-touch too. You know, he just said some things that there's no way we could ever do what Jesus asked. And so he said some things like in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus said this. He said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will will be also. And these parents would look at what Jesus says and, 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 and they would say, okay, Jesus is talking about the heart. And he's saying that you will make time for whatever you value. You will make time for whatever you feel committed to. You will make time for the things that you treasure. And, and these parents beg God and plead with God and ask God to allow their children to treasure doing things that allow them to engage the heart of God. And they will help their kids take steps in order to make that happen. But that's not what we want to do today. We want to learn apathy. So the best way to do that is to teach them that faith activities things that will help them engage God need to be put aside for the responsibility of a job because never again will they get to spend 100% of their paycheck on what they want. They're going to grow up one day. They're going to have bills and all this other kind of stuff. Let them enjoy it now. Let them get their paycheck and go to Abercrombie & Fitch and buy whatever they want or Aero Pastel or whatever they want to do. Let them spend it all and have a job. Last thing, last thing is this. And this is probably the best way. The best way to teach your kids to be apathetic is simply to be apathetic yourself. The best way to teach your kids to be apathetic is simply be apathetic yourself. Teach your kids that the only time God is relevant in their lives is for the 80 minutes that they come to church on a Sunday morning. Teach your kids that following Jesus is about being a spectator and it's not about being a participator. And so you could also do things like this. You could, you could take summers off. 
You can actually take summers off from church because you're doing things like camping and you're at the lake all the time and you're staying out late and you wake up and you're tired on a Sunday morning. So you just take a whole summer off. Or or even like now when it's football, see ESPN is on right now, you know, and you're hearing all the games and you're learning what to do, what you can do with your fantasy players and all this kind of stuff. So maybe I'm just going to stay home so I can win that fantasy game that I'm signed up for in the league. And, And so you're, you know, you teach your kids teach your kids that they don't have to worry about going to church and teach them that the church is about meeting your needs instead of other people's needs and teach your kids to not worry about tithing and teach them that it's more important to understand what can I get from church rather than what can I give. That's probably the best way to teach your kids how to be apathetic. Now, we've talked about some crazy parents. These are the super crazy parents, the ones that are so far out of touch that they're in their own sort of category. But some parents believe that faith in Jesus is something that's to be lived out every single day of their life. Some parents sort of feel this. They sort of feel that being a parent is a calling from God. And they sort of feel that we are called as parents to unleash single-minded, Christ-centered, biblically-anchored kids who seek to love God and love others. And the best way to raise kids like that is for you yourself as a parent to be a single-minded, Christ-centered, biblically-anchored parent who seeks to love God and love others. Others And some parents, again, you know, they, they look at the Bible and they open up the Bible and they read verses like this in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. And that verse says this. It simply says this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And these parents would look at that verse and they would say, because... God is holy because God is set apart, because he is totally distinct, because God is so immeasurably far above anything that has ever or will ever exist, we surrender our lives to him. We are devoted to him. We follow him. And also they look at that verse and they would say, because the whole earth is full of his glory, we help our kids understand that God is at work everywhere. And we instill in our kids an inescapable God awareness. And we show them, these parents would say, I am going to show my child that Jesus isn't a part of my life, but Jesus is my life. That sounds like commitment. And that's not what we want. That's, I'm sorry, I got off track. We want apathy. And so we want to teach our kids how to be apathetic and realize that the best way to teach them to be apathetic is to simply be apathetic yourself. And maybe, maybe even, you know, as an apathetic uh, family or whatever, maybe you, you still want your kid to have a little bit of God. And so what you do is you put that responsibility on the church and realize that on a good year, in a good year, the church is going to have your kid for about 40 to 50 hours in a year. 
And that's plenty of time to teach them how to live for God. You know, 40 to 50 hours, oh my, that's a whole lot of time. And so you put the responsibility on the church and don't take that responsibility yourself. That, men and women, is how we raise apathetic kids. That is how we teach kids to be apathetic about God because it's a whole lot easier. It's a whole lot easier to teach apathy than it is to teach commitment. It's easier to teach our kids to be happy rather than to teach them to be holy. It's easier to monitor their grades than it is to monitor the condition of their heart. It's easier to be a child-centered parent instead of a God-centered parent. It's easier to make the excuse that work is more important than God, especially if that's kind of what we're demonstrating in our own work life, that work is more important than God. And it's simply easier not to care. It's easier not to care than it is to instill in kids an inescapable awareness of God. It's just easier not to care. But what I love about Grace Community Church, what I love about Grace Community Church is that you do care. What I love about Grace Community Church is that you do care. And that you believe that you are better than that. That we are better than that. And whenever we hear statistics like nearly 75% of kids, whenever they graduate high school, are going to be disengaged from God. When you hear statistics like that, that upsets you. And you think to yourself, okay, instead of going with that trend, what can we do to stop it? What do I need to do to stop that from happening? How can we as a church, and as a church, I I mean, all of us, every single one of us, parents, not parents, you've raised your kids, you have little kids, it doesn't matter. We all have a responsibility in this as a church. How can we stop that from happening? And, And just so you know, this isn't the first time in history that, that kids have ever gotten disengaged with God. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Judges. It's in the Old Testament. You'll see Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. And it's Judges chapter 2. Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. Judges chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. It says this, this these verses were written, this, this happened after God did all of these amazing, amazing things. He uh, parted the Red Sea for the, for the nation of Israel. He set them free from captivity in Egypt. He fed them food, gave them water when they were in the desert, parted the Jordan River so they could cross over into the promised land, gave them a homeland, gave them the promised land. And this is what happened After all of that, in verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. In other words, after the generation that saw all of that happen, after they died. After that generation died, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and they served the Baals, or they served false gods. And they forsook the Lord the God of their fathers who had brought them 
out of, of Egypt. Guys, a generation can be lost to apathy. Generations can be lost to apathy unless we intentionally decide that we are going to do something about it. I'm just going to wrap up this morning. I'm going to talk, I want to talk first to teenagers that are here. And then after that, I want to talk to, to parents um, that are here. But in just wrapping up, uh, I know that we have a lot of teenagers that come here on a Sunday morning that are a part of Axis. We also have a lot of teenagers that come on a Sunday morning that aren't a part of Axis. All that's okay. If you are a part of Axis, um, you know you know that I care for you with all of my heart. You know that I want to be a voice for you and that I will defend you and that I want to, to show you truth and tell you truth. There are a lot of voices that you are going to hear that are telling you lies. But I hope that what you understand whenever, you, whenever we talk, whenever I talk with you teenagers, is that I am always going to tell you the truth because I love you and because I care for you and because I, I, I want the best for you. And so I want to tell you a little bit of truth just quickly this morning. Some of you are setting a dangerous pattern in your life. There are some of you teenagers who are here this morning who are setting a dangerous pattern in your life. And all I'm saying is patterns start early. And some of you are setting the pattern of putting off your time with God. Some of you are setting the pattern of putting off your attendance at church or putting off your attendance at a youth ministry. And you're demonstrating a pattern that shows that there are so many other things that are more important than God and more important than investing in other people. And what many of you teenagers have done is you have overpacked your schedule so much and you have squeezed so much into your day that you feel like you are spread out like this. And there are so many people asking things of you that you feel that you are spread out like this. And what happens is often the first thing to go is anything that engages God. So, church, youth ministry, the things that would allow you to engage the heart of God, the things that would allow you to invest in other people, those are the things that go. And what I hear often is I can't come to access anymore because I have to work. Or I can't come to access anymore because I just have so much schoolwork that I have to do. I'm sorry, I, I can't come. And, and, and I, I guess the legitimate question that I have for you is this. If on a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock there was a football meeting that you had to be at, or if on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock if there was a, a school newspaper meeting or, or a, a, a play practice or band practice or orchestra or whatever it is, if there was any kind of meeting like that at 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night, I bet you would make the time for it because it's important to you. And all I'm saying to you guys and girls, to teenagers, is how important is, is engaging God? I'm not just talking about coming to, to, to access. I'm not just talking about coming to church. I'm talking about engaging God. 
Because often the first thing that goes is that. And then some, I've, I've heard this. Some teenagers have said, well, I don't come to our youth ministry, just talking about ours. I don't come to Axis anymore. Because the kids that are at Axis, you know, there's a lot of kids there. And a lot of them, I, I think they're there for the wrong reason. I think that there are probably teenagers there who are just there because there's a guy or a girl that they want to be with or they kind of talk a little bit and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And I just don't think they're there for the right reason. And so I don't want to be at a youth ministry where there are kids who are there for the wrong reasons. And I, I just want to ask, are you serious? Is that the best excuse that you can come up with? How about, this is a fresh idea for you. How about using your leadership skills and using the abilities that God has given you to invest in those people that don't care? How about using the abilities that God has given you to care for those kids that don't care so eventually they're gonna learn, okay, wow, God does care for me. And, 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 and they can take steps in a relationship with God. And in their life, they can find this God. And if a girl gets them to access, praise God, you know? If, a guy, if they come to access because there's a hot guy that's there, he's so hot, oh, I can't believe I get to sit next to him. If a, guy, if a girl comes to access because of that, praise God that they're there and that they're here in truth. And our role is to reach those people. How about that for a fresh idea? No more excuses. What is important to you? You will make time for what is important to you. And, and parents, just finally for us, um, I, I'm not a parent of a teenager. I have three kids. None of them are teenagers yet. And I know that I got a whole lot in store for me whenever uh, my kids become teenagers. But I want, you to, I want you to know this. Whenever I became a dad there was a specific commitment that I made. And uh, the commitment happened because of this, because in my background growing up, in my family growing up, just some stuff that you can hear. In my family, this is my immediate family, things like adultery, things like alcoholism, things like uh, spousal abuse, uh, things like jail time, all of the uh, addictions, all of that happened in, in just my immediate family. And whenever I became a dad, I made the commitment that that stuff stops now. It stops now and it will not go any further. My generation of kids will not be faced with any of that stuff because I am the gatekeeper to my home. And by the grace of God, I will not let anything enter my home that is going to tear my kids away from knowing God. Those things stop now. And all of us, all of us have that same responsibility. All of us have that same responsibility as parents. And I know what it's like to want to buy for your kids the stuff that maybe you didn't have growing up. I know what it's like to want to give your kids the stuff that maybe you didn't have growing up. But do not make the mistake, men and women, that what you buy for your kid or what you give for your kid is more important than what you instill in your kids. If we are not teaching our kids about God, 
they are going to get their values from somewhere else. If we are not instilling God values into our kids, they are going to get their values from somewhere else. We have to intentionally instill in them an inescapable awareness of God, and we have to be intentional about it because we will naturally drift towards apathy. Apathy happens naturally. It it just does because sin happens naturally. And, and, And to fight that, we just have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about instilling God values into our kids and teaching them that there's a point where they are totally dependent upon you, but our goal as parents is to teach them how to become dependent upon God. And we only have so much time to do it. It's November already. Can you believe that? This year, gone, just like that. It is, it's almost Christmas. The year has flown by, and the year's will fly by in our homes. And we have to take advantage of every opportunity to instill those God values into our kids. And it's never too late to start. It's a beautiful thing about the grace of God. It's never, ever too late to start. Will you pray with me? God, I am... I pray for us, God, as as parents, and I just ask for your grace. God, if parents feel anything um, like I feel, um, I don't know what I'm doing most of the time um, as a parent, and um, I make a whole lot of mistakes, and I'm just thankful for your grace um, that you just allow us to just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And God, I pray for the parents that are in here, God, that you will let us instill just godly, biblical values into our kids and that we will model that for them, God, and that we will take care of our own hearts and, God, that we will pursue you and just try to chase you down so that our kids can see that and and will eventually get that and eventually understand that and that we can talk to them about why we do this or why we do that. It's because we are just devoted to you. God, please let that happen. And God, please don't let us lose another generation. God, please, I beg you that we will not lose another generation to apathy and that that statistic will just be blown out of the water because what we try to do to invest in our kids at Grace Community Church. I ask that of you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.